life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. I don't know if you noticed this, but we have a Monty Python round of questions oh, I did on notice Facebook. This. <laughs> Thank you to those of you asking about the airspeed velocity of Leighton Swallows and African or European and do co- coconuts migrate. And if you don't know anything I'm saying <laughs> and you think I've lost my mind, I'm not having a stroke. No, no, no. This is Monty Python and the Holy Grail, one of the most ridiculously quotable movies on the planet. And also... A movie that you have to see more than once. Oh, yeah. I started doing this to my dad the other day, and he went, what are you talking about? It's, went, oh, it, it's, it's one of the weirdest the movie-going best. experiences. I remember when I was introduced to it in late junior high, early high school, I watched it with a buddy who'd seen it multiple times, and I watched it the whole time going – I was already too much of a film snob the first time I watched it. Okay. All I kept right. watching it going, this is stupid. And, and watching right, he and right. his other buddy die, and then once you get through it and you realize, no, this is really what we're doing. Then you can watch it again and love it. I still love it to this day. I can't wait to introduce it to my son, but I'm worried about introducing it too early because a buddy of mine, you know, Greg, a buddy <laughs> yeah, of mine introduced yeah, yeah. it to his sons really early, and they didn't get it for a couple of years. So he had to kind of come back around later. But the Jetta the at quotable. 24 Hours of Lemons was Camelot with the cow, and every the, time it with passed the us, <laughs> the catapult. I was yes. laughing out loud because all the quotes were coming to mind. Absolutely. Everything from that entire scene of I Camelot. Know. I know. It was so funny. Oh, it's great. Well, guys, welcome anyway. back to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. A couple of great debates here from Alex up in Vancouver, BC. He has unfortunately gotten into an accident with his BRZ, the Inazuma Edition manual transmission, bright yellow, and sent us photos, which is tragic to see. Mm-hmm. We are very sorry. Mm-hmm. He got banged up a little bit, but we're glad you're okay, Alexander. And uh, he's looking for something different to replace yeah, the it's BRZ. A, it's a what's next question. And, and a, a car he's so. mourning, too, which is tough. Yeah. We've also got Kyle out in San Francisco. He's asking us, when you can only have one car, what's something that'll just make him giggle? Now, he's got a couple of requirements around that, which we'll get into on part two of the uh, the debate here, mm-hmm. but that's coming at you. But we've got to start out with this news that's kind of everywhere currently, mm-hmm. and it's about the Polestar brand that is breaking off from Volvo, even though it's all Volvo anyway. Well, it's the it, newly created brand, essentially. It's the M story, or the AMG story. External oh, yeah, tuner that gets absorbed it. by the brand and then becomes its own thing focused on performance. And, you know, Volvo's made a lot, a lot of rumblings late about all kinds of changes. Mm-hmm. We're going to go all electric. We're going to go all subscription. By the way, Polestar is going to be an all electric enthusiast brand. It's hard to know what's real, but here is the first concept car from them, the Polestar 1 600 horsepower hybrid Super Coupe. Yeah, I'm looking at this thing, and I think it's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Not in a long and flowing and sleek British or Italian sort of way. No. Very purposeful, but kind of like Audi in the late 2000s, somewhere in there when they knew they just had it. Mm, Sure. Before some jarring surfaces and jarring shapes kind of entered the mix there. (laughs) But they just, they're doing great from a design perspective. It's almost like designers have been let off the leash because they don't have Volvo architecture or look to adhere to. Mm, Interesting. And it's kind of a fresh start, fresh platform. It's my understanding this car will give you 93 miles, electric range, full range. And what I'm seeing is design and excellent stuff just kind of gone wild here. Yeah, it looks great. In a restrained way, in a restrained Scandinavian, wild Scandinavian. 
That's that's hey, the design analysis that, here. Okay, that that could go. Remember the Swedish bikini team? There was a whole hey. line Ooh, of advertising now, now when we were kids for the Swedish bikini team. This is getting good. That died somewhere when it became un PC <laughs> to have such a thing to advertise your alcohol. Uh, anyway, that's, that's right. sorry, I'm off in the weeds already. But you know what strikes me here is what are the competitors to this? Is it the Lexus RC? Could be, yeah. The RC is also going to be hybrid, mm-hmm. if it are, isn't already. I think it is. They've well, got you, one but, model. But you've got the you got the big V8 possible. But I'm just thinking about just class of vehicle. Forget hybrid for a second. Is isn't that the class we're talking about? Like the big super coupes? And I'm almost wondering yeah. the scale of this because it feels to me related to like the big S class coupe, but I think it's smaller than that. It's almost like an E-class size, like an E-coupe, yeah. Yeah. maybe the 650, maybe. If like the SLs, the Mercedes the SLs. SLs is good. Yeah. Um, not quite the S-class size, though. Yeah. But I'm very intrigued by this car because they're putting money into Polestar, creating their own brand, even though it's, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know that they're It's the M or AMG for Volvo. Yeah, that's yeah. a great way of putting it. But think about this. Volvo is uniquely positioned, and they're taking advantage of this mm-hmm. because of their size. They're big enough, but not so big because a GM or a Ford, well, that's hard to turn that ship into the direction that Volvo sure, is going, sure. announcing yeah. mm-hmm. some electric or all electric capability and all new models, yeah, yeah, subscription. Yeah. It'd be hard to turn Ford into that kind of direction. Mm-hmm. But they're big enough to pull it off, but small enough to go in a new direction. Yeah, that's a good point. And they're one of... Very few, if not the only one, able to really be nimble mm-hmm. and take advantage of it and kind of sprint into the future, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, Tesla and other electric car manufacturers are there, but they've already got manufacturing in place mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they're well positioned from a design aesthetic, all this stuff. And they're small enough, but they're big enough. And I so, love that they're doing this. Agreed. And so far, I feel like this is the best synergy of Chinese mm. owners of a car company made elsewhere. And it gives me so much hope for what's possible for Lotus. Yeah. I mean, we're getting questions about the Lotus SUV, which is Mm -hmm. an intriguing thought. I haven't quite warmed to that yet. It's in the realm of Ferrari SUVs. It's necessary. It can't happen. It's necessary. if they'll, here's the thing. I'm all execution. It's all about execution. Let's hope it's CX five size or smaller. Then it could be killer. Okay. Okay. I could see if, that. If you're, if, yeah. if they're going to come out with an SUV and I don't think they would try this, but maybe if they were to come out with an SUV and try to compete with the big boys, the XC nineties and the Tahoe's and I mean, not Tahoe's, mm. the Acadia's and the Traverse's and that kind of sure. like seven seaters. I think it's the wrong place for Lotus to be, but the five seater market, which is unbelievably hot anyway, compete with the BMW X one, compete with the Mazda CX five, sure. sure. that world from Lotus. I like that a lot. That's really intriguing. I just I love what Polestar represents. Mm-hmm, I love what, mm-hmm. the, what they're doing. The, this is the Polestar 1 that we're talking about. It's in every yeah. publication lately, and they're coming up with the 2 and the 3. I mean, they're bringing out new cars, but it seems like they're just they're well-positioned to be able to pivot wherever the car yeah. industry is going. Yeah. Electric autonomy, you want that? Okay, good. We can do this. Well, we can do subscription. We can Exactly. You know, we're trying to do all of it. We can be very nimble, but they're big enough to execute mm-hmm. it properly. I agree. I agree. And then and they're still a Scandinavian brand in my mind. They're Hopefully. still untainted yeah. despite other investment money. It's a great point. They still I have really like maintained that. their brand identity. And I think it's also funny, speaking of maintaining things, they're maintaining that same two-liter engine that is in every car they make. <laughs> that yep. is still the yep. core of this, the two-liter engine driving the front wheels, the electric motors for torque vectoring driving the rear wheels, which means right. – I think right. this is interesting – which means the car when you drive it all electric is now a rear-wheel drive electric car. 
Do and then it becomes going to go enthusiast. And then it becomes well, but this? but Polestar is is supposedly going to have an enthusiast bent, even though it's electric. So I'm very curious to see how they make all this work. Uh, it's a fascinating idea. It is, and I have to caveat this every time we do it. We are talking about a concept car. Concept cars, you pull the the sheet off, and everybody's sure. very excited, and we throw out a lot of big stats, and everything's wonderful. That's fun. That's fun. But it for me, it's the movie trailer. It's the movie trailer is almost always decent. <laughs> is the movie any good? I'm looking at photos that have rear view mirrors on the car, so it ha- it's got wipers, True. rear view mirrors, no, which it's close. Says it's more close. production ready than most concept mm-hmm. cars with the little tiny arrow camera for yeah. you know looking behind you and all this stuff. It looks the trim looks production ish. I'm I'm really digging this, and it's going to hopefully give us enthusiasts. Yet a new option in the future. Yeah, I'm yeah. really looking forward to this. As subscription becomes a thing, I'm really intrigued by this. Well, this is – I mean, it's it's not – I'm wondering about the size of it again. This is the Volvo i8 hmm, in some ways. Not quite as polarizing, I would say. No, not as – Definitely d- more doesn't have the exotic palatable. feel, but it's in that kind of world. It's we're going to make a two-seat coupe that is a little more grand touring – Sure. You know, I mean, the i8 is much more supercar than this as far as its kind of build sheet idea. And definitely not for everybody. But it's, in, is, but it's in this world. Yeah. The interior is just beautiful materials. Volvo's killing it right Ooh. now. Interior and exterior, they're doing fantastic work. And I'm, I'm so fascinated to see what or how many of their ideas they're actually going to execute. Because you're right. They've got a, they, they're following a path on every one of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it'll be really interesting to see. Yep. Well, as I said, guys, we've got a great debate. We also have our track day coming up November 17th, 2017. Mm-hmm. We yep. announced that on the prior two podcasts. Touching on that again, mm-hmm. go to ncracing.org to sign up. And then for all the details for the track day, everydaydriver.com adventures tab. Yep. And you can be part of any, all of it. Yeah. Just yeah, the yeah. dinner, mm-hmm. just the track day, whatever sure. suits you the for best. Sure. We would love to have you and see you there. Yeah, we're Go treating there for details. We're treating it almost like an extended meetup. So there's various things you can be a part of, and you know what do you want to what do you want to be a part of for it? It is bring your own car, and if you're going on the track day, it is also bring your own helmet. Yes, but yes, they that, do not so that's the helmets. difficulty here. But we're excited to be up in that area for a couple of days. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to do some shooting. We're going to do a lot of driving. I'm excited. So be good. Great questions at the end. We've gotten a ton of them, so yeah, we'll get there for sure. This is going to be fun. But yeah, let's start off with Alexander. As I said, up in Vancouver, he has got a BRZ that unfortunately was T-boned at 30 miles an hour by an elderly woman, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. And he sent us photos and it's... It's heartbreaking, to be honest, to see a fun car like that. Bright yellow, as Mm -hmm. I said, the Inazuma edition. Man, I'm just glad you're okay. For sure, for sure. I hate to say this. I mean, it's just a thing. It's just a car. Yeah, you're far more important, but it's still heartbreaking. And, still hard. You know, and he's got, you know, he's been a little sore and a little bit beat up by it. But overall, the the real loss here is the car. And we've talked about it before. When you lose, when a car is taken from you, is different than should I get rid of this? Right. And That's there's a been a lot of times on the podcast where yeah. we've talked about we recommend people to get back into the same car, in spite of the fact we talk about go get a new experience. If you've had a car kind of interrupted, if you will, mm-hmm. a lot of times we'll say go get another one just because you kind of need to finish your experience with that car. What's interesting is that Alexander is thinking, okay, I have an opportunity to move on. Why don't I move on? But then in the next sentence talks about how much he loved the BRZ again. So it's, he's very torn. Yeah, this must be tough. But we're here to help. 
Hopefully we've got some good options for you. He sends in the options that he is thinking or not thinking about. Yeah. yeah. But here's the headline. To appease his wife, he needs to have an automatic. She can't yet drive stick, and he Mm -hmm. hopes that will change. Mm -hmm. And hello, Alexander's wife. We would love for that to change. But hey, we definitely respect that. If it's you know something that is a need for you, we're all about it. But he does say that a dual clutch could work great. Mm-hmm. Okay. For sure. He should have a four-door for the rare occasion that he needs to haul people. But really, that's just when her folks come to visit from China. Which I agree is now the thing where it's, you rent that car when you need it. Y- yeah, just rent it, right? That's just, like having the pickup for the one day you pick up mulch. <laughs> just don't rent do a that. Car. Just, just. With, with with the joy of Turo now, and also with some rental car companies that are very, very cheap, if you really need a big car for a weekend or two a year, get your big car then is what I'm going to say. Granted, I'm the guy that unfolds himself from small cars, but I'm still saying. <laughs> Man, well, yeah, nice weather. You've got uh, more unfolding to do in the next few weeks. For, it's been great inexplicably, we've had a nice turn in the weather. I was I was saying to you earlier, I put the, uh, the winter tires on the Mini this past weekend, which are bigger rubber and knobby, and suddenly it looks like a rally car. Granted, it's got the weird spots that on the side. That could look cool. Yeah. Can we raptify the Mini? Well, put put the big rally lights on the front. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could be I have, down with this. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. So it's funny. It's like the reverse Groundhog Day, because I put the winter tires <laughs> on the Mini, and then it warmed up. So it's been like 75 this week, which, look, this is not a downside. I just think it's right. funny. It's not going to last. So now I'm, so I'm, I'm driving the Lotus again, which is awesome. <laughs> Love it. I put the winter tires on the Mini, park the Mini. And, and Back now to dri- summer. Exactly. And now I'm driving the Lotus. So, uh, and <laughs> so and the funny. Lotus the Lotus loves 65 degree weather. Loves it. Oh, I'm sure it comes to life. It's, it doesn't like the too hot. It's thing, so happy at about. that weather. So I've, yeah. I've been hammering around. And 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 so far the local passes that will snow in haven't. So I'm doing right. drives right. up these amazing mountain passes with the fall leaves. I'm getting all nostalgic here, and I've just did it yesterday. <laughs> but anyway, that's what's happening. That's so cool. All right, but we digress. Back to Alexander's story here. Mm-hmm. He has driven Alfa Romeos, both the Giulia and the Stelvio. Yeah. We have not yet driven the Stelvio. We saw a bunch of them in Europe, in we did. Germany. We did, yeah. Intrigued by this as rentals, interestingly. So he's considering a lease on one with sports seats. I'm guessing you mean the Stelvio. And yeah, they're kind of indistinguishable. They're I, I think the Stelvio is Macan size, honestly. I don't think it's a Cayenne. It's yeah, maybe it's, in between the two ish, somewhere in there. It's it's not. It's almost like the you know how the the Jag seems smaller than the uh, the F Type seems smaller than the Cayenne too. It's in that kind yeah, of, it does. It's it's in the Cayenne realm, and yet you get in it and you're like, I don't think this is quite as big. It's it's close though. Right. Uh, what else? He has driven the 2014 Audi S4, and he liked the handling as a capable car. Mm-hmm. He didn't really feel the sensations of driving and. You know, kind of numb staring, what you and I have pointed out as well. He didn't feel connected to it. That's the thing, yeah. What else? 27 Ford Mustang GT is on here as a big The brand new one. The 2017. He doesn't like that car. Yeah. Yeah. He found it slow and lazy in terms of shifting, whereas the BRZ loves fast shifting. Well, I can see that. But I'm going to back up his play here. Honestly, I'm actually a big fan of the current Mustang, and I traditionally have not liked Mustangs much, but the current Mustang in kind of any form, EcoBoost, Tom's got a cool EcoBoost piece coming. He drove the GT last year, uh, if you've yeah, watched that right. at all. That's right. He loved that car. We we really like it in the GT350 Shelby oh variants. It's awesome. I'm a big current Mustang fan. However, if you jump into the Mustang out of an FRS BRZ, any 86 chassis, it feels like a house. I'm sure. And it's fully capable. 
it, it, it will dive into corners. It's got a good gearbox. Everything's in the right place. It feels enormous compared to those 86s. It's your, your perspective, and where you're coming, coming from. out of the 86, yeah. I can totally understand why to, to him it feels capable but big and slow. It isn't slow, but I can get it because it feels like you've got just a little bit of delay just because of size. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I can see that. That's a good point. Also, the 2017 ND Mazda MX-5, so the Miata's on the list, which mm-hmm. he liked as far as the sensations. <laughs> but he says he doesn't fit, which I'm going to push back on a little here. He's 6'1". You and I are both six foot three. Yes. And people have commented on my driving position that is now actually... It felt uncomfortable at first, but it's due to all the track driving and mm-hmm. instruction that you and I have had where I'm actually forcing myself to sit closer to the wheel yeah. because of track driving. And over time, that's become more comfortable. I'm just sort of used to that now, even though, sure, sure. sure I'd like the seat, you know, I think, you know, farther back. But I feel like I have less control over the car yeah. when I force myself to sit a little bit further forward. And now that's weirdly the comfortable position for me. But, but in so spite I'm of that. comfortable ish not perfect it's not a big coupe i mean you're still all the way back in the miata though still all the way back i just i feel like there's a i don't know i mean we're talking different torsos and like exactly this is everybody's different this is the question for alexander is because i agree you can you can fit and i can't and that has to do with not height but torso length right my head will touch but yours doesn't we both sit all the way back as far as we can in the miata but here's the thing he says he doesn't fit but i'm curious don't don't fit in what parameter? Because like Chance, who shoots with us, mm-hmm. his problem in the he's Miata also is his legs. Yeah, he's he's got a grasshopper leg problem in the in the Miata, and it it really bothers him. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, he fits. I'm over here, what touching my head. The Miata is it's a close quarters car enough that if you're not down the middle of five nine, this was what we designed <laughs> the car for. It's gonna feel tight. But that would be an interesting question for Alexander. What is interesting though is he liked it enough. He recommended it to a friend of his who's far shorter than him, and the guy went out and bought one right away. Oh yeah, because it's awesome. I'm not surprised because it's awesome. Yeah, it is. yeah, yeah. It is. I just I'm I'm wondering. I'm just po- pointing that out, Alexander. Just from a change your driving position, maybe that might give you more control over the car, and then. You know, maybe that becomes the new norm, if you know what I mean. There's, well, there's also the discussion here of fit versus size. And what I mean to say is the thing that people don't realize about the 86 is that that's a surprisingly roomy car. It is. That has space. Just like for, your Elise. It has space. For, well, once yes, you're in it, yes. you're shocked. Yes, but the Elise is tiny even once you're in it. You're comfortable enough. Well, that's not, no, comfortable is the wrong word. Yeah. You're, you're, I wouldn't grace it with that word. No, comfort's not the right word. What am I trying to say? But you fit fine. It's just you're it's in a tight, the car. It's How a about tight that? cabin, and and there's no there's no weird pressure points or wow why am I touching there? Mm-hmm. There's none of that. They actually did a really good job on driving position, but it's a very small car, and that's the thing about the MX-5 versus the 86. The 86 is a car you can just get into and be like, this has got real space in here. You can fit. That's yeah. not true in the Miata or the Lotus or these kind of guys. If it's just, is it that you don't fit, or is it that it's just small, slightly different issues, but. Everybody's mm-hmm. different, and I do think that Miata is right on the edge as far as space. One you line up just the two of us, and we fit that different. Sure, which is so interesting to me. Yeah. All right, so fair fair point. And then last car, both cars on here are the 2016 and the 18 Subaru WRX STI, which we have talked about ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. We really love that car for all kinds of reasons. Alexander drove the 2016 first, which of course gives you a real good feeling for how this car is going to perform. Yeah. But he felt like a Japanese Audi, I guess, from a 
you know, the all-wheel drive muting the steering feel and the road feedback. Actually, no, actually, he says he, he thought it was unlike the Audi in that regard. Oh, unlike the mute Audi. True, yes. true, true. No, that's a good point. I, I misread that. However, you liked the 18 more because of the brakes, mm-hmm. which is interesting. So yeah. bigger brakes in the on the front. Yeah, because of the upgrade, because of the brake upgrade that was on the newer one, and so he prefers having bigger brakes. He was talking about the fact that the BRZ feels to him like, and again, you had the upgraded BRZ too, with the upgraded brakes. You feel like the BRZ's upgraded brakes were more than the car needed braking-wise, whereas the STI felt like it had maybe just enough braking. So you're, again, you're coming out with your own understandable bias and experience from the BRZ, but you really want a new experience. And so you kind of then go off the rails with your budget. You have roughly, <laughs> roughly, I don't know, $20,000 US, and you're talking about, um, okay, you could buy a used BMW M5 with the V10. Yes, you could. But buy a money pit. That could be fun. <laughs> Actually, I was finding one. I, I found one on Bring a Trailer, which was... Oh, no. That no, site no. is all bad. Oh, that site's terrible. It it's, is all bad. It's simultaneously going, the greatest and the worst thing ever. Huh, because what I find is I look is at... for sale. Yeah. Wow. I find those cars that I I have never seen one in person. I go, how much is that? And, and then, then you find then, a really clean oh, example and terrible. think, huh. It's terrible. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah, we love it and hate it. It's, it's, it's part of the daily routine is to click on bring a trailer and promptly close it after I've looked at three or four cars and gone, what it's, am I it's doing? It's such a time yeah. suck, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ay, ay, ay. All right. So, yeah, scanning emails helps nobody. Uh, <laughs> but you've written to us so much information here, Alex. He's, but he's, it's crazy. So, yeah, we've got BMW M5s. Uh, what about a 996-911? That's in the price. Uh, he's he'd like to get a Cayman, but he's worried about the only ones he can get might be the ones that are beat on that are barely in his budget. The list goes on and on and on here. Um, newer car having a newer car is also on the list because of safety, and, and yes. I think that is very much on his mind here because of his experience. Because of the experience because so the BRZ was so recent, and yeah. he knows that the BRZ's recent airbags, etc., really saved him injury. So the idea of buying a ten or fifteen, twenty year old car that he could afford is kind of out because he's mm-hmm. seen that safety features firsthand. I've got the car that I think you should really take a look at, and really? you okay, mentioned good. it here in your email, Alexander. I know that you're already looking at these. You looked at the BMW 235i's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was a conversation. This has cropped up more than once. When you and I have driven the FRS and BRZ, yeah. and then we have the 2 Series, whatever that is, mm-hmm. and we think, huh, that's sort of like BMW does an FRS on a grander scale, not in terms of style necessarily, but in terms of inflated dynamics. I mean, everything yeah. is you know, more on a mm-hmm. larger scale where you can mm-hmm. definitely feel the stripped away nature of the FRS, BRZ, the yeah. 86. It, we've talked about this before, and I want you to revisit that car because even though the 235i might be out of your budget, I'm wondering about the 228i. Thank you. It's on my list too. It's on my short list. I That's my only list for okay. this. Okay. That's, it's really good. As a matter of fact, that's, that is the car because... I think you can find one for the price for your budget here. He's limiting me to 24,000 US, the Paul limiter, 30,000 Canadian. And I just thought that is checking the boxes. For sure. For sure. DCT, two door, still good size, not too much bigger than you're already used to. But that 228 has been reviewed by a lot of people, including us, Mm -hmm. that they actually like the dynamics better 
on the 228i. You got the smaller engine. I'm going to make one correction. You love the power. Make one correction. That car's of that 2 series you can get with the DCT. The 228 actually has the ZF8 speed, but the reason Thank you. that we Thank get you it wrong that. is because and we've both gotten it wrong. But the reason we get it wrong is cuz we've tracked that car and we're both so impressed with how well the 8 speed operated. You're right. It almost feels like a dual clutch. It isn't, but I see right. Alexander Thank you. it doesn't matter because that 8 speed ZF in the 228i is genuinely that good. That's a gearbox, I would say. You're right, say and clutch. I guess I come back to that thinking, I'm loving this. Uh-huh. I have no problem with so it. We, so we assume it's the DCT, so you even though it's not. So you just naturally assume. It's the right. speed, but right. it's excellent. And I, this is the top, almost the top of my list, too. That 228i, because I agree with you, it is in the same idea as the 86, done more luxurious, done a little bit. It's not quite as raw as you've said, but... You can definitely find one used. I just and keep I coming think you really enjoy it. Yeah. You know that, huh? This is sort of you know eighty six like in its just its theme. It's, I agree. I agree. Yes, not execution, none of that. You know, of course, it has more power. All that. But stuff. I even talked about it on the M two review. You did when, when we yeah, did the GTS up. versus the M two. Obviously, at that point, I was owning my FRS and driving it daily, and the M two very much felt like what if you took the FRS 86 platform and just made everything more, Mm -hmm. including weight, but everything more Mm -hmm. in the same idea. That's what the M2 kind of feels like. And, and that's why I do think that 228 is a great one. I do love that. I had two others I wanted to bring up and kind of a wild card. Oh, good. Okay. I mean, I, that's my list. I'm over here at the end of my list. I love these other things on here that you suggested, Alexander, but I think they're too much compromise in one direction or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just, yeah, they're, they're not going to really fit that need and still speak to you as a driver. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So I'd love to hear your suggestions and wild cards. We're all, we're all for well, it. Well, I mean, I'm going to go with the wild card first because I think it's probably not right, but it just struck me because I was looking into these cars in the past week or so and just really digging in to understand this car a little better because I think we're going to drive it soon at Motor Press Guild Track Day. At least I hope we are. And that is the current new Accord, which I know you keep thinking of the Lone Ranger theme when I bring it up. But Oh, now I can hear the, the theme. The Thanks current, a lot. The current Accord in its four-cylinder <laughs> setup is, again, four-cylinder, so small engine and weight, but it's nearly 300 horsepower and torque. Sure. You can sure. get it. Good eight-speed auto or six-speed manual. Now, I know your wife doesn't want to learn to drive manual, but at the same time, there's part of me going, there's a hidden enthusiast car in the sedan world. So that's my wild card. It's a little bit out there. Sure. But I was just thinking you could probably get one of those new for the price we're talking about. That's one of the things about it that made me think about it. I was like, there's checks a lot of boxes, but it's not quite enthusiast enough, I don't think. But it still checks a lot of interesting Mm -hmm. boxes for me. So that's why it's my wild card. Again, 228i, I think, is really high on this list. I have to say it. Have you thought about getting another 86 and get the automatic? Now, as much as I would love your there wife to that. learn That's to drive sort of stick, the, uh, the obvious yes smack and no. us upside it's the head, obvious, isn't it? but at the same time, you haven't brought it up, Alexander. And I want to say this. That's another one where it isn't dual clutch, but it is a surprisingly good traditional automatic that listens to its paddles. So if automatic is the sticking point, mm. I think don't rule out that car because – I can't tell you guys listening how much he has returned to everything pales to what he loved about the BRZ over the course of this email. So there's a part of me that just goes, hmm. at least go drive it in an auto and, and put it on your list and think about it. And it might go on. That's interesting because it harkens back to what you said about in an accident, the car is taken from you. It is. And if you're not quite done driving it that is. car, get yourself another one. Agreed. 
That's not a bad thing. I, I, that's, that's really as, intriguing As to much me. as we preach the new experience... Maybe he hasn't finished. I agree. As much as we preach the new experience, huh. this is different. It's very different oh, than that's, just, that's I've driven this car and I think I could move on. It's not that. It's somebody went, yoink, and it's gone. No, that just struck me. Just... Yeah, yeah. Maybe, so, so, maybe you're not so done. Drive, so drive that. Drive that yeah. and consider it in an auto uh, If unless your wife doesn't want, really doesn't want to learn manual, which I think she should, but I, I, I do get it. And then I'm going to say this. You talked of all the cars you've driven that you liked or, or liked or didn't like, all the ones you listed for us. You really like the STI but can't quite swing it. Why are we not talking WRX? Yeah. yeah. Now, now, unfortunately... I mean, it does fall into the category of every time you've got $25,000 yes, to spend. It does. What should you buy? Unfortunately, we have a gearbox problem. Yeah. Because yeah. Subaru, this is one of the worst endorsement sentences I will ever say. <laughs> Subaru makes the best of the CVTs. <laughs> which is really not a goal anybody was really shooting for. But what they do is they make a snarky comment, but I'm not going to. I, yeah, I, I can hear many, many in my head. <laughs> what they do is when you pull a paddle, it has a pre-programmed ratio that acts like second gear or third gear or whatever. And to be honest, I've driven many CVTs. I have hated all of them with the exception of the one from Subaru. I still don't like it. I was going to say you hate it a little bit less with less I still theory. don't like it. But I think they've done the best job with the worst idea, which is a terrible <laughs> sentence. With so, all these components. Yeah, exactly. So, so this is the problem with the WRX. Oh, and, of man. course, it's a problem with the STI because you're in manual. So there's a gearbox conundrum there. There's the shirt of the night. The gearbox conundrum. There it is. Uh, that's, that's the title of a very, very bad movie. Anyway, but uh, for some reason, it's a World War II film. I don't know why. Gearbox Conundrum just, is a World War II film. We are Mystery Science Theater 3000. Just we are. Throwing yeah. bombs at that. <laughs> anyway. So, but I do wonder about the WRX since the STI is out. I wonder about WRX, but you've got to, you've really got to have a, uh, a soul searching moment about transi- transmissions. <laughs> it leads to the same spot. You're going to wrestle and struggle and come back to the same conclusion. Yeah. But I hear you. Yeah. So there's there's the options. There's the variations. Alexander, I hope something there is helpful. Uh, I like this. It's a long email, but man, I'm I'm just really glad you're okay. Honestly. Agreed. Agreed. That's the biggest thing. Well, guys, give us a quick break to talk about advertising, and we'll be right back. Let's talk about our friends at True Car real quick. When you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure you're getting a price on an actual vehicle. It's not like theoretical. You want a car that's actually sitting on a lot somewhere. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. You can wind up configuring a car online only to find out, yeah, that one you wanted, we don't have that. But with TrueCar, you get real pricing on actual inventory. Now, this is not pricing offered by TrueCar, but pricing from an actual dealer. And not just any dealer, but a TrueCar certified dealer, which is a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency and offering you a competitive market price. So using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want, You can see what other people in your area paid for that car. That's a nice comparison thing to see. There are over 13,000 True Car certified dealers nationwide, and the average True Car user saves $3,000 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. 
You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. So we have another car debate tonight and then a ton of questions. Yes. I looked I looked like hours ago at the questions, and we already had like more than 40. I but keep refreshing things here. On I, the page. I swear it they're, they're like doubling up every time, which I love. Thank you guys so much. I want to thank you for all of your questions on social media. Obviously, we're never covering all of them. In a few weeks at, at the uh, podcast uh, 250, we'll do a podcast all of car questions. So that will come. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you guys for the questions. Some of your questions are leading to larger topics. We're going to start spending some time on podcasts. We really are going to do that. We love the the Hollywood uh, cars thing. Everybody seemed to enjoy that. We had a blast with it. Yeah, the, the high school cars. The high school cars. That was hilarious. For, yeah, that was very fun. So we we'll, might have to do that again. Just start over and write another high school movie with a different theme. Well, but we got a question today That's on hilarious. our email. I don't know if you noticed. Somebody asked, when were you actually going to just stop joking about it and just write the Everyday Driver car? <laughs> movie and it reminded me that in the last two or three years i have written two different treatments that i got hired to do yeah. that are both car based one of them i really like one of them was a total uh, the producer produces small very ridiculous genre films and so i wrote something for him which works but i don't really like the other one i had was a total like cross-country getaway movie that i really liked That's but right. you know the That's problem right. that i have is it's not a problem of ideas it's a problem of time and and where you know Clearly, while making the show, I don't have a lot of extra time lying around for let's go find funding and shoot an independent film. Well, then you and I always run into ideas for the show. Sure. Right up to the, oh, we didn't have money for that. And how do we do that in a different way so we can pull it off? The number of cars I crashed in this treatment is shocking. (laughs) And the amount of crazy baby driver quality driving that it would require, I love. I would love to shoot a movie like that. So we have those ideas. They're not exactly the, uh, the high school movie that we broke down, but it would be fun. So thank you guys for liking that. There'll be more of that coming. Also, thank you to all of you that are rating and reviewing and sharing the podcast. It is mattering. Oh, yeah. So thank you for that. Absolutely. This is great. All right. So Kyle's email here, he is in San Francisco, California, writing to us that he is second guessing himself. Half of him says the perfect car that ticks all of his boxes exists. (laughs) He just needs to buckle down, do the research to go ahead and find it. The other half of him says, I need to go find a house with a four-car garage and just fill it up so I've got all the options covered, all my bases covered. (laughs) But then he realizes, oh, yeah, I'm in San Francisco, so that's not going to happen. Hence the email. Mm -hmm. He loves driving. Always has. And most of his cars have always reflected this. But, yeah, he's, he's looking for the perfect car to make him laugh. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to ask a question here, and I'm just going to—it's somewhat rhetorical, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> okay. Is there any such thing as the perfect spouse? <laughs> now, I'm not saying you can't be madly in love with the person you're married Switching to. Switching gears to relationship advice, but no, seriously, Screech. seriously, I, I love my wife completely. But if we got really candid here, I could tell you things about her that drive me nuts, and she could do the same for me. I mean, this is life. Back and forth. So, exactly. So, so the question of what's the perfect car, I'm going to say to you, what's the perfect person? Because they are the same (laughs) issue. You're going to find, I love everything about this except for, I could sit here and rant if we needed to about Uh everything wrong with the Lotus. I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to drive it tomorrow with a ridiculously stupid grin on my face. So <laughs> I, I, I prefer your four-car garage option, but then we have the San Francisco issue, and this right. is a problem. Oh, yes, money. All right, so here is the list. His first car, 1989 Golf, pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. I remember jumping a friend's golf in high school. 
hanging out of the sunroof. Stupid stuff in All high school. All of this makes sense. We could do All stupid stuff we did with cars in high school. That's We've had that conversation. It did wow. not go good places, but yes. Okay, so I am going to say it. 1988 Ford Taurus. Yes. <laughs> 91 that Miata. Stopgap car, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That plugged a hole. I'm not sure what hole. Easy, but yeah. Uh, what else? 2000 BMW 323i. 09 Subaru Outback. <laughs> he had a weird left turn toward practicality <laughs> that he came back to his senses. Exactly. 2012 Volkswagen GTI, and most recently a 2015 BMW M235i. Which we love. Which we love. And he hated. You see the thread oh, through yeah. the car That was in the last here. discussion, and here we are. He said he hated it, and which I thought was very interesting. What I thought was fascinating is he said he really liked it initially, but as he started to push it harder and harder, he realized that the all of the nannies on the car are far too aggressive for him. Mm-hmm. And it just killed his enjoyment of the car. And eventually, after, as he describes it, screaming at it for six months, <laughs> he, just, he went, I got to get rid of this car. Which is too bad that the, let's just put it this way, the things intended for safety have just turned you off completely. Yeah, the, the holes in the safety net are, are bigger. The net's still there. It's just the holes are slightly bigger. <laughs> so, you know, more yeah. meat can squish through. I don't know when you're Easy. doing stupid stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know. But yeah, I, I okay. But it killed, Six months. But it killed the fun. This is the key thing. I can see it. I can if, see if, it. If the fun's being killed by how the car steps in to go, well, no, you can't be doing that. I agree with you. I've got a small tolerance for that as well. So then... He went and bought a 2016 Mazda 3, the 2.0 that he's driving right now. Hopefully you're listening to the podcast in this car. I find that hilarious. <laughs> Good for commuting. Handles okay, but not fun. He said, it doesn't make me giggle. I want a car that makes me giggle or mm-hmm. cackle maniacally. Which we love that too. I, of course. Yes. Okay, so speaking of commute, he's 35 miles each way to work. And here's the kicker. Throughout all of this, he has to deal with street parking overnight. I know. I know, that's tough. So he said, you know, broken gla- car window glass, you know, the whole thing. It's it's a reality. You park your, your car on the street in mm-hmm. the city. Mm-hmm. I, I almost don't care what kind of car it is. It could be the plain Jane Honda Accord. Well, actually, those are super high on the list of cars getting broken <laughs> Those are into. the cars that to jack, for sure. Think yeah, of a car that isn't. I can't yeah. tell you. I mean, it's just you never know time and place. You just yeah. never know. Yeah. So that is the kicker for finding a fun car, powerful, sporty, great-looking, but doesn't attract too much attention and is good for the commute Mm -hmm. because he says, I've always wanted a V8, but of course not on a commute. He's going to be doubling his fuel bill or tripling it. So does he keep the Mazda? Does he get a second car and kind of tough. futz around with his work garage and try to keep it He could park it at work and trade off cars and Uh, he could do that. Yeah. You know, what, what does he do? And then also a good automatic with shift paddles might be part of the equation here. That mm-hmm. might be on the table. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, San Francisco traffic has continued to get worse. Have you noticed this? By the way, side note, I want to say, is this due to the increase of ride sharing? Uber and Lyft, and now everybody thinks, I'm just going to go make a couple extra dollars and turn my app on, and there's way more cars on the road, especially Maybe. around airports. Maybe. yeah. I'm wondering out loud with all of you. I, I'm just asking. I could be wrong. I hope to be wrong. I, I I scanned a bit of an op-ed piece today where people were talking about the fact of everybody in cities is talking about, I should get rid of my car and take ride share, but nobody's thought about the rest of that, which is right. now who owns cars for the ride share? If we all go, right. I'm just going to take ride share. We all get rid of our cars. 
somebody's got a racket on their hand, which what I kind of like. That's the kind of thing I would do. I, now I'd buy a 15-passenger something and be like, Uber. <laughs> right, you guys need a ride? Yeah, exactly. Right here, traffic is light. It's always light. <laughs> Watch me hoon a sprinter van. Come on, hang on. There's seatbelts back there. Put them on. Oh, but that begs the question. Now Uber would have to own all autonomous vehicles because if they're autonomous, none of us want to own the vehicle. So Honestly, that means it's opposite of the business model. I've pointed this out before. Yeah. It's in, it's the antithesis of the business model Uber has created. Everybody else owns the car. You're but right. if it's autonomous You're cars, right. we have to manage inventory. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, we didn't see that It'll coming. be really interesting to see if that business model changes, won't it? I agree with that. I'm we're off in the weeds, but we're having fun with it. So anyway, uh, so we're talking about Kyle's situation. I want to say a couple things about parking on the street real quick. Okay. I've parked on the street in a very bad part of town. There's a place I do work for in Salt Lake. Okay, now Salt Lake in general is just about as white bread as you can imagine. Whatever you imagine about Salt Lake, it's pretty much what it's like, okay? <laughs> so, I mean, coming coming uh, to Salt Lake from Los Angeles, I remember being in this neighborhood, this one place I work for, is actually right next to the worst neighborhood in Salt Lake. And I remember when I first worked, they were like, be careful in this neighborhood. And I was like, this neighborhood is the worst? I mean, I'm not saying it's nice, but this is actually as bad as it gets? Because this isn't that bad. But, it's but. All things considered. But. Yeah. It's the bad neighborhood in Salt Lake. Yeah. Okay, and it's, it's near where this office is. And a lot of people park on the street. Now, clearly, we've all talked about my cars. My cars look like the flashy car you'd want to break into. But yet, there's a guy I work with who's had his car broken into three times over the course I've worked for this company. You're kidding me. And he drives the world's most beat-down Hyundai Accent. What? Now, why has his car been broken into multiple times and mine's never touched? I'll give you one reason. Like I can guess. I have nothing in my car. I was going to say, if he's leaving stuff out he there. He has, you name yeah, it, car seats, he's got the nav system, and they all vanish. Yeah. This is the big uh, – if you, if you buy a nice car – look, I'm not saying hard and fast rule here. But if you buy a nice car, but it's clean with nothing in it, I think you are less likely to have a problem than somebody that has stuff in their car for the smash and grab. You should gift wrap the alarm that you dissected out of your car in a nice <laughs> in a nice box with a bow. Make it look like a Christmas package, and then somebody will take it off your hands. I mean, That's they terrible. might smash your window, but on That's the other hand, terrible. they're stuck with that stupid yeah, now alarm. Now they have the alarm that will wake them magically <laughs> in the middle of the night. I have to reconnect it to a battery somehow just so it can haunt them. That's, that's key. I like that. So that's good. But so I'm wondering about that. I'm also wondering about... And I'm, I'm, I'm truly, I'm wondering, what about a car cover? Does that help or does that hurt in this situation? Because, you know, the other thing about car covers is thought. most of the car covers and the Covercraft, one of our good friends of the show, they have little eyes on the bottom of their car covers. And you can put wires through the car cover to lock the car cover oh, in the yeah. car. You the, can string um, it down. The grommet. You can string mm-hmm. a uh, just a lock so they can't so take it off So now you can't take the car cover off. It's one of those things where it doesn't deter. It just adds time. Exactly. And that's and the thing that sometimes is a deterrent. Yeah. Now, if you've got people that walk randomly down your block and they just want to break stuff, obviously the nice cars are going to be a target. But I don't think that's most of the time when this happens. So I'm just – I'm thinking out loud here hmm. about parking on the street. I think I might have just solved our junk mail problem. Okay. Gift wrap all your junk mail, leave it in your car, all beautiful in a nice-looking package, really juicy, Terrible. like a Louis Vuitton handbag But you still lose your window and oh, the handbag yeah, you spent money on. but you got rid of your junk mail. You did. That's that was a roundabout way to do it. Not almost as satisfying, but uh, all right. No, that's a great point. I like the car cover idea. That's that's interesting. And keeping nothing in your car. Well, yeah. Nothing that's, that's worth taking. That's the biggest that's, thing. That's a huge thing. 
like, man, remember slide out radios where you had to take the whole, <laughs> wow, flashbacks. Or even removable face radios. <laughs> oh, I Lee. can't believe. Seriously, <laughs> I've put I've put new radios in both the cars I just bought. Yeah, right. I, it's right. explicable to me that in the last six weeks I've bought two cars. But I had to put updated Welcome. radios in both of them because <laughs> I needed Bluetooth. Okay, and I right, just bought right. an, an inexpensive aftermarket radio. But what shocked me is a number of radios that still come with removable faceplates. I thought, didn't we stop this 10 years ago? Didn't we stop carrying the faceplate around in our <laughs> bag? Are we over this now? Seriously. Oh, anyway, my yeah. gosh. All right, so he is looking for, back to Kyle's story here, he's looking for something that's going to make him laugh. And he likes the idea of buying American because mm-hmm. the German maintenance thing, it doesn't thrill him, mm-hmm. but it doesn't say that it's off the table. I'm just Fair. pointing this out. Fair, yeah. He wishes he could see out of a Camaro, which you're you're not wrong. Welcome to the normal problem with that car, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. And then Japanese is fine, but it's got to have some character coming through, shining through, or some sort of technical prowess like a GTR, but Mm -hmm. I don't think GTR is in your budget. Speaking of which is nowhere on here. We're having to extract this information just by virtue of the cars you list here, like a BRZ all the way up to a used CTS V sport Cadillac, Mm -hmm. a Chevy SS, maybe an a four. And you've even suggested Kyle waiting for the new super or maybe the Kia stinger, all good options, but you are definitely all over the map. Uh, really, and I'm coming back to. Uh, well, there's one big uh, piece of information just missing. A handful of cars here. He hasn't actually given us a budget. No. We're having to extrapolate a budget. So yeah. if you're writing into us, be sure you do include a budget. Kyle, you're you're giving us enough information to let us extrapolate. What what was your guess here? My guess was fifty ish. On the high side, to be yeah. honest, yeah. I was in the. 30 to 45, maybe? Yeah. Somewhere in there? Yeah, I mean, the Cadillac, the and a, you know, if the Supra, when it shows up, I mean, that's going to be every bit of 50. That's but, true. That's but true. That's, but that's the upper level of where we are, I think. I, I thought I had the perfect sniper shot here. And I may okay. still. All right. I've got a handful of cars. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Do it. Jump in. The E92 335IS. Ooh. Money left over and very cool car. This is this checks the box for a number of reasons mm-hmm. in my mind. Mm-hmm. You suggested it the other day on a podcast. Not that long ago, yeah. And yeah, it, yeah. it just kind of planted a seed in my mind, and I've been thinking about this car. They're cool, and they're cheap. This is a car that was built from 2011 to 2013. Not for very long, mm-hmm. again. So the tail E92, end of the E92 chassis. Yeah. Uh, chassis and body style. It, it's got two turbos. An upgraded high-performance version of its engine, two turbos, 320 horsepower. It's got overboost to kick your torque way up there past M3 levels. It's got far more torque than the M3. Yes, agreed. I was initially thinking E90 or E92 M3. Mm -hmm. But then I thought, oh, no, commute because that's a gas-guzzling V8. Sure, sure. What gives you that kind of fun, happy, I'm amazed by the performance? You can get it with a DCT. This is going to be a hard search. Needle in a haystack for this car, but then come back to the looks. Yeah, there's a lot of BMWs. Yes, it's a nice-looking luxury car. On the other hand, you probably didn't pay too much for it because it's not new. And I will and submit to you. it might blend in because it's a 3 Series. Agreed. I think that's a key thing here. I, I submit. I, I think that's genius for that reason because if you park that on a street, you and I, and I will stop and look because we know what a 335 IS is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a thousand other people would walk by before another person came along and went, you know what that is? It's it's enough. You it's close tell. enough to 3 Series, and it's last-gen 3 Series. Right. That a lot of people are just going to be like, it's a BMW, and I don't care. 
But if you're driving it, you would care. I like that a lot. That's a good one. I mean, the only thing it doesn't speak to is your German maintenance, avoiding all that. Yeah, it's not American. It's, it's it didn't not solve American. That at all. You're right. You know, I was thinking about the Z4M Coupe, the car we just recently drove. That yeah. video's yeah, up yeah. on YouTube. Check that out when you get a chance. We really liked that car. It's it's unique looking enough that it might attract attention just by virtue of its looks. But it's again not that expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, nice ones are forty. Yeah. 45. Yeah. It, that could be in that could be an interesting choice, but I'm you know, I want to say Mustang, but then, you know, yeah, I, maybe maybe a Mustang might work. It's not a Camaro. Let's put it that way. Visibility's Visibility's far better. But here's the thing. I could think go GT or I, EcoBoost. The Yes, for yes. mileage. For mileage, Mustang good. For mileage. I wonder. I think he should drive them because I wonder where the giggle factor is on those cars. Weird sentence I just said, but but seriously, I wonder is, <laughs> is are, that this are those cars podcast T-shirt possibly uh, in search of the giggle factor? That's just a, <laughs> just 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 <laughs> wear that wear that on your that. own time. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's a frightening shirt. Moving on, but but no, seriously, mm. I think the GT three hundred and fifty because of the nature of that engine just is exciting no matter what you're doing. Oh, yeah. I don't know that the GT or the EcoBoost can pull that off. They can both be very fun cars. But I think what has to happen here is I think Kyle has to go drive those variants of the Mustang to get a sense of it. Because I'm not sure mm-hmm. what it is that's going to interest him here. But I, I think those are, those are worthwhile suggestions. Following along with that suggestion, and you talk about threads in the podcast, we talked about Alexander lost his BRZ. Kyle, you need to drive one. It's interesting. That's interesting. Because great gas mileage. Yeah. And they, they're they great looking, but they're not flashy cars either. Yeah. It's, that's it, interesting. You know, and, and I'm not sure. I, the thing that's unclear here is what's going to make you laugh behind the wheel. You mean, because is it straight line acceleration? Exactly. Is what's it the thing he's been missing? that speaks to you? Is it Exactly. Are you going to get a chance to go drive yeah. this car in a back road? Because if all you're going to do in a BRZ is freeway stop and go commute, don't get that car. But if you are a guy that you find some back roads or maybe you autocross or what is the thing you like that makes you enjoy driving, I think you would like that BRZ because I think that car, the 86, works in reverse. What I mean by that is if you buy the car and you drive it in the ways it was meant to be driven, which is high RPM back road, Mm -hmm. and you learn the car that way and you learn to love it, you start to find ways that those little moments can be found in your daily commute. It's a great point. That's what I used to do. I used to find there were a couple of places where I'd get on the on ramp and I'd get the back out because it can. Sure. Is sure. the car powerful? Am I the first up the on ramp? No, I'm like the fourth person up the on ramp because everybody passed me once we got around the corner. <laughs> but I got out in the corner first, got the back out, then I straightened it out and then let all of you people pass me. Right. But I got the fun out of it in Camrys so, or Corollas or minivans or, or whatever. It doesn't matter because it's not what it's good at. Right. But I can still find ways in my daily commute to be like, I can do that in this car and you can't. And it made me laugh. So I don't well, that's know good. That's what good. Kyle is looking for. You haven't been clear on what about the car makes you laugh, but I think that's enough of a driver's involvement car that it may work. I, I went Japanese and not German. Okay. But then I thought of one American that he touched on briefly and walked away and I went, well, hang on, come back. He makes a comment in here, just in passing, wouldn't it be cool if I could get 30 miles per gallon out of a Corvette? <laughs> Can't you? Isn't that the whole point of the current Corvette? I mean, not, no, that's not the right way to put it. It's not the point, but it is one of the things they talk about. That car, V8, 
seventh gear is designed for 30 miles just per gallon. loafing along, That's barely turning point. over. It's why it has a seven-speed gearbox. It's not because you're hooning in seventh gear. It's because <laughs> the engine is barely awake. <laughs> that's okay? why it saves fuel because it's seriously it's like it's turning over just above idle oh that's interesting and you've talked about do you want an automatic the seven speed comes with rev match which you can turn off true but that's going to make your actual shifting that much more thoughtless just it's just happening thoughtless shifting well but, but that's not what an automatic is an no, automatic is thoughtless shifting so you put the rev match on you do your commute you get high gas mileage because you've got seven gears. Yeah. And then when you want to hoon on a back row, the thing I love about the current C7 is that is a car that I, I know it's a cliche. We've used it a few times, but it applies to that car. It gets smaller when you drive it hard. Yeah. Yeah. Very few cars do this. There's and, a handful. And and honestly, I keep coming back but to Edgar, who is not a big fan of American muscle cars. Shoots for us. Not a big fan of American muscle cars. He's also not a fan of big cars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He loves the C7 for yeah, this reason. Yeah, he did reason. love it. He did love it. That's that's one of the most surprised I've ever seen Edgar's. When he got out of the C7, was like, I love that thing. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. And he kept yeah. talking about how small it felt and how agile it felt. These are not adjectives he ever uses when he gets out of an American car. He's always like, I get why people like it, but it's not for me. He got out of the C7 was like, <laughs> I want one. Small, agile, nimble does not equal sign. That's not That's not how Edgar feels in those cars. But he loves that about the C7. So I really think the C7 is a front runner here. So that's like I'm going to stop there. But because he he walked okay. in, wouldn't it be cool? The Corvette. I was like seven gears, sir. Thirty miles to the gallon. It's not wow. going to be easy. Hmm. Look, I will never see thirty miles to the gallon in a Corvette. But I <laughs> have a the foot, problem. I have a foot made of lead. You're going to have that okay? power and think I'm never going to do this. But so I also I will admit also it. I have not commuted in a Corvette. CorvetteCommuters.com. 30 miles per gallon might be possible. Seven gears. (laughs) If you have your own debate, write to us on the website, EverydayDriver.com. You can find us there. Or EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com. And we will jump to social media questions now. So if you've got general questions, just they're not full long debate questions like we've just done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And I've got to start, start out with Jesus. He's on here saying... Could you guys extend the podcast 30 more minutes, you know? He knows we're super busy with a lot, but one hour isn't long enough. Three hours is too long, but 30 more minutes would be nice. I appreciate your interest. I do. I do, too. I'm just wondering, for most people, if if your commute is longer than an hour, you might want to consider moving. But the hour... <laughs> I'm well, just but, saying, the well, hour but, is sort of the sweet spot, I felt like, for yeah. two 30-minute halves. Yeah. You know, it's consumable. You know, if you've got a 30-minute commute, listen to us in, in the morning on your way and finish yeah. it up on your way home kind of thing. Well, as a, guy, as a guy that commutes regularly, I will say this. You end up, what you end up doing is you end up stitching a podcast together and getting through multiple commutes. If you've got a short one because you've got enough podcasts to get you to the next podcast. You, you, you sure, spread it out over sure. three to four days. All of that to say, do you remember the days when you and I started this podcast for something years ago and decided we were only going to do a half hour? I know. And now it's like an hour and 10 minutes every time. So, And then we got to 45 minutes one time and went, wow. So, so all of that to say, Jesus, give us another couple of years. It might be two hours. <laughs> we might not be able to stop ourselves. But for the moment, an hour really is kind of pushing the edges of what we feel like we can do and still have a structure and have a little bit of focus. Uh, but thank you for your interest for sure. Ed Hayes asks us on Facebook, what cars did you like as kids but are embarrassed by now? I rock Camaro for me. 
all day long. I thought those hmm. were so cool. And then I see one, and it's just, it limps by, you know, it's all beat down and just kind of, I think, really? I used to like those? Yeah. Huh. When I was in, was I thinking? when I was in England in the seventies, late seventies, early eighties, I should actually say it was more early eighties, uh, as a little, little kid, um, there were a lot of terrible cars. I remember being <laughs> fascinated by the Ford Capri. Oh my gosh. <laughs> thinking it was some sort of awesome sports car. It's really not. It's, it's a, it's a step up from the Mustang two. It is a step up, but it's a step up from the Mustang oh twos gosh. of the world. And, uh, and I thought that car was the business. You remember the Mercure brand? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mercure XR4TI. Yes, I do. I believe it's a Pinto engine. The block is from the Pinto. It's a it's it's like a parts bin car. And I remember when that came out, I thought it was the coolest thing ever too, because it was this weird European offshoot totally. brand. Totally. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mercure. Where did those cars go? Yeah. Well, that ties into another question about uh, yeah, what cars? What what are some of the cars that we think you know? What brands do we think? deserve a full revival from a McFarlane on Instagram, mm-hmm. which one should have gone away instead. Well, China is propping up Buick. Yes. Oldsmobile fortunately died. Pontiac, I think could have been revived or continue as a electric kind of what Polestar is for Volvo. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. but Mercure really? glad it died. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was performance, but, yeah, what a weird name. Pontiac would have been cool as a performance-focused brand under GM. I wish it had been. <laughs> that could but have been interesting. That would have been great. Just This is what we do. We but, do performance stuff. But but as we've talked about before, they wouldn't have sold enough volume to survive. They just wouldn't have. Yeah, probably unfortunately. not. Unfortunately. Yeah. But it's interesting to see how brands now fit where car tech and car buying is going. Volvo and Polestar, it's going into the future and all this mm-hmm. stuff. and. You know, I think of Buick, you know, is there going to be a hybrid electric cool Buick? Cool Buick. Cool Buick. Can uh, I? You know, who no, knows? No, I can't do it. Who knows? I can't do it. All right. What else here uh, spoke uh, to you? Steve Urban, who also drives a Mini, asked me about the Mini and winter tires and if I'm going to go run flats. Steve, as a general rule, I do not run run flats. Mm. I have AAA. If something really happens, I will call AAA. <laughs> the rest of the time, to, to me, this is the pickup equation. I'm not going to buy a pickup for the two days I buy mulch. I'm not going to buy run flat tires, tires for the one day that I have a problem. I will, I will call AAA. Plus, let's be honest, I drive a Lotus and it has to be towed. They have to bring me flatbed and the guys to shake his head at me. So I have a weird relationship with tow companies. But in general, look, I, I hate the way run flat tires feel. Mm, yeah. And winter t- tires feel weird enough to begin with. Especially if, like I was happened to be driving the Mini today when it was sixty five, I was thinking this is kind of greasy. This is this is not what these tires were designed for. But I've got straight up Blizzaks, the WS eighties uh, on there, which are great tires. Had the same thing on the FRS. The guy that I bought the the Mini from had those tires already mounted. I went done. And but my summer tires, again, he had two sets of wheels, are also straight up performance tires, not run flats. Uh, I think that's one of the problems with current BMWs, and they they've made them better, but. When BMW first introduced all their cars on run flats, they all felt like bricks. They mm. are getting better. I'm just not a run flat tire fan. I hear you. I, run flats came in our 335 IS press car that we had years ago. Yeah. We proceeded to pop like a tire them. anyway and had to replace it. Yeah. Sharp <laughs> not sure how that worked, but yeah. They don't, they don't work too we well. We looked at each other and went, aren't these supposed to be run flat? Anyway, yeah. Huh? <laughs> Defeats the – never mind. All right, so stereotype different jobs with a car you assume people drive. Now, this is the high school thing again. I need time. I need I'll time say for this one. Question. Chris okay. Schneider is asking us on Facebook here. He's asking, you know, 
doctors and dentists driving 911s, hairdressers driving a baby blue automatic first-gen Miata. Yeah, it's the low-hanging fruit question. What does an astronaut drive or a fireman? He's seen some fast cars parked at the firehouse. I feel like firemen drive Ford Raptors. I mean, they're just, you know, a lot of coolness going on there. Yeah, I see that. I see that. But there is, as a matter of fact, an astronaut who lives in my neighborhood. I looked him up. He has a website. He does public speaking. Seriously? And consulting for aerospace projects. Seriously? He lives here in my neighborhood. 1976 Triumph TR6 in bright yellow. Does he really? That's cool. Yeah. That is cool. Very different. I don't see it all the time. Astronauts have a, have a convertible bent about them. Yeah. I don't know what it is, yeah. but a lot of astronauts traditionally have had, had uh, convertibles. And then, of course, if you go back to the Apollo programs and those kind of things, they gave those guys matching Corvettes. Oh, so you have to right. say Corvette if you go astronaut because in the history – and I'm a bit of a space geek. In the history of astronauts, there were astronauts that had I – mean, and they wind up in museums now. Here That's were the Corvettes right. that these three guys drove. And here were the ones – and so they'd get like – the, like when they did the Apollo missions – I'm off on a rant. When they did the Apollo missions, it was three guys in the capsule. Watch your Apollo 13 to catch up. There are three guys in the capsule, okay? <laughs> and what they would do is Chevrolet would give them Corvettes with matching paint jobs for just those three cars, and put their names on the sides, and now Insane. you can find them in the Smithsonian places. So that's a result. That as a result, you you go astronaut, you think Corvette, but I think the convertible thing is more common, hmm. and that's interesting. Last question for me on here is from Mark B on Facebook as well. He says the only thing I love more than cars is music. Okay, what song, artist, or album do you instantly associate it with cars that you've owned in the past? A particular song. Hmm. Hmm. Puts you behind the wheel at a particular moment. That's interesting. I have my moment. Do you? Good, good, good. I don't have one off the top of my head. Keep going. I, <clears throat> Mark, I used to work for Budweiser. I was a tour guide in high school for Budweiser. Okay. Yes, I was 18 at the time. I had actually just graduated high school. And no, obviously, I couldn't drink. I couldn't work in the bar area where you do the free samples and <laughs> tastings. Sure. So I would do the tour guide so you could go through the Clydesdale stables and you could go through the whole brewery okay. tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was in Fort Collins. And so we'd get the Sturgis guys riding through, you know, on their Harleys. Sure, yeah. And we'd get all kinds of groups and people asking, wow, the landscaping's so beautiful. What kind of grass is that? Like, I don't know. It's green. Leave me alone. <laughs> That was not in the script they handed me. It's grass. Move it's on. grass. And then, you know, how many miles of piping are in this place? And I just start to invent numbers. <laughs> just blow people's minds. <laughs> 52 miles. Can you believe that? The piping in this building could go to the moon and back. It could go to the moon and back. Can you believe that? What do you think about that? Anyway, so on my way to work, I was listening to Sheryl Crow, All I Want to Do. Really? That was the song. I listened to that. So many times. Seriously. And that was headed out of town because the brewery is right off Interstate 25. Okay. For those of you that know where it is, it's, yeah, it was one of uh, Budweiser's newest breweries at the time. Interesting. And I was just, I was listening to Sheryl Crow and just rocking out. And it was that song, that moment, headed to work at Budweiser. Huh. That was me. That's cool. I can't, I don't have one that that sticks out for me. So I'm going to. I memorized, oh my gosh, I memorized beer facts. The Beachwood comes from Tennessee. Oh my gosh! It's all coming back. <laughs> There's the shirt for tonight. It just says beer facts. It's got a lot of it's got a lot of stuff in that in that writing. It's so small you can't even read it. It's just like the, all these little blurred words oh my below gosh. it. Oh yeah. my gosh! I mean, uh-huh. oh, the announcers and the 
Oh, my gosh. Uh, Two quick questions I want to cover, and then I'm done for the night. Uh, Brian wrote in and said, have we ever considered doing a full autocross season and covering that autocross season to just talk about experiences, things learned, tires, blah, blah? Brian, I love this idea. We've also talked about running full NASA seasons and doing a thing there, but here's the terrible thing we've discovered. Because of the show, we don't always have the weekends available when all that stuff happens. So our ability to have a full season available is kind of impossible. So what we are doing as we head more toward wanting to get more and more track time is just what are the events we can attend? And we have to just mark them around, oh, but we're shooting that weekend. And, oh, but that's the weekend after we shot and we have to edit and whatever. So unfortunately, we'll probably never do a full season just because we're worried about full seasons for TV. Let's be honest. So there's that. (laughs) Uh, Damien wrote in on Instagram, and this is kind of an open-ended question, but he said, what car would I consider getting my son as a first car? Ooh. Well, first off, he's the better part of 10 years out. Uh, Paul seems to think I'm still going to have the Mini to give him I think it's the your son's first car. quarter-million mile Mini. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Million-mile Mini. That just rolls off the tongue. It does. It does. I think it, I think I, it, I m- it. might roll down the block if you're lucky. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> With a heart transplant, I'd maybe? love to think that the Lotus is still around, but that'd be way too much car for him for a first car. Oh, yeah. It was too much car for my wife on her first track day. I can imagine a 16-year-old oh, yeah, insurance. Lotus. Yeah, there's that as well. But here's the big thing I would say, Damien. I've talked about it before. My preference, and of course, he will have a say. He will want to say, I like this. Dad, that car's stupid. For all I know, he will have decided to rebel against me and decided all cars are terrible. Or he'll just call an Uber on his phone and say, see ya. Yeah, exactly. Dad, I can't believe you like those things. They're awful. I used to like them when I was a stupid kid. We may have that conversation. Driving. I don't know. I don't, let's hope not. But we may have that conversation. But I would say this to you, Damon. My preference is I would rather have him in something small and manual transmission. Because I want him to, to feel the sensations of driving and manual transmission so he's busy. <laughs> Not because I think right. in 10 years manual transmission is going to be a vital skill. It won't be. But there's less for the rest of your body to do. You are busy driving. Yeah. That would be the way I would go. So my preference would be small with manual transmission. Obviously, I would love to go newer so that the safety measures are better. But that, to me, is even behind small and manual. Fantastic. Well, guys, all of you, thank you a million for listening. We really, really appreciate all your support. And as Todd mm-hmm. said, please rate and review. That really helps us. It, it bumps, up, bumps us up in rankings, it, all of that stuff. And more people really find the podcast. You know, I've read two emails just this week okay. where people have written in and said, guys, thank you for the podcast. It's helped me buy a car. They never wrote us a car debate. Which I'm thrilled to yes. hear. I mean, because obviously we can't get to everybody's debate. Not. So, but but the, they didn't they even wrote in with their request. It's just by listening to the podcast, it gave them a different headspace on thinking about what do I need, why do I need it, etc. And it helped them buy a car. I love that. I've so two of cool. those emails this week, and many in many cases those people found. In, in fact, now that I think about it, both those emails specifically called out the fact because I read a lot of these emails, but, but both of them <laughs> talked about specifically they didn't know about us prior and were looking for a podcast when they started looking for a car and they found us and here they went. And that's because if you're looking, look, I'm a guy that listens to quite a few podcasts. If you go to a topic, what are the top 10 podcasts? Apparently these are halfway decent. You guys rating Mm -hmm. and reviewing puts us in the top 10 and the whole thing moves forward. So thank you. Excellent point. Looking forward to next time, everyone. Cheers. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, 
When an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks. Prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.